Welcome back to the Orinus Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Castillo, and in this episode, I talk to some current and former student athletes to get an understanding of that life. I started my quest where I went for undergrad, Long Beach State. My name is Martina McCowan. I played women's basketball at Long Beach State. McCowan proved to be an effective defensive player, but an injury cut her senior year short. Um, I played four games. It was our fourth game. We were playing against um, Reno, Nevada, and I was on the floor. I was doing pretty well, and then um, kind of just all went downhill from there. One of my teammates, she got pushed into my knee, so my knee like hyperextended and popped. And I thought at that moment, like I tore my ACL. Thankfully, she didn't tear her ACL, but she still tore some ligaments in her knee. It wasn't as bad as she thought, and that gave her hope of playing basketball again. McCowan tried a natural treatment to speed up healing, but it didn't work as expected, effectively ending her career. She spent the next few months trying to figure out where she would go from there. Now that she could no longer play the game that had dominated her life since seventh grade. Because of her injury, McCowan noticed her mental health took a hit. I had fell into a little bit of depression because like, I wasn't going to class. This is the first big injury I had. Um, like My grades started slipping. Um, so I was just like really down about it. In an effort to keep playing basketball, McCowan tried to medically redshirt her senior year, but that was declined. So that was just like mental, like mentally draining because that was just like those bad experiences are the last experiences I have of basketball. So that just kind of made it hard for me. As McCowan recovered from her injury and the realization that she would never play basketball again set in, she had to confront how she would move forward in her life. Her whole social circle and support network had revolved around her teammates. So I just had to really like lean on them. I had to heavily rely on them. Um, I was fortunate to have really good roommates who played on the team, so they um, always just kind of were there to check on me. McCowan says the lifestyle student athletes live can be too much from time to time. It just adds on for depression because like your coaches expect so much from you, your parents expect so much from you, but then it just kind of goes back to what do you expect from yourself and if you're not physically or mentally ready to do it, then you can't do it. The demands on a student athlete are huge because they must give their all to their sport and keep up their studies. In return, scholarship athletes receive full tuition, room and board, which, at a school like USC, could translate to more than $200,000 over four or five years. Ali Abdulghani is a golfer on USC's women's golf team. You have to stay awake and be very attentive to what you're doing because for golf, we don't have like a golf course here at USC. We have our small little bays, like our hitting simulators, but we'd have to drive out 30 minutes, 40 minutes with traffic to where we want to practice. So if we're not attentive all the time, we can just get ourselves in trouble without knowing it. It's hard because we don't really think about the basic things like food or water. We're always like, oh, we have to be here. We have to do this. We have to make sure we're on time. And small little things like eating or drinking or taking naps just kind of slips out of our mind until like we're, we're tired, we're hungry. Because Division One is a whole new ball game, Abdul Ghani struggled when she transitioned from high school to college sports. After probably three or four weeks into college, I was drained. I did not know how I could perform well. I was not to say struggling in academics, but more of like I'm putting too much effort in my academics to keep a really good GPA and then I'm failing in golf. Or if I'm 
at a certain point I switched over and I was doing really well in golf my academics is dragging and I was moody and I just didn't want to talk to anyone because I was trying to figure out all day what I was doing wrong. It took her two and a half years to learn how to properly balance everything. One strategy she tried was meditating as a way to calm herself down. Meditating is the practice of training the mind to rein in all its thoughts and to be focused on the present moment. About a year, a year and a half ago, I say I really started to like putting time aside to do meditation. And it's at first it seemed like, well, what am I doing? Like sitting here quietly for five minutes, letting my brain run 500 million tracks. But it, the whole point of it is to really just calm yourself and reflect and be positive and get all these thoughts out of your head. It's really nice. Although Abdul Ghani may not have personally experienced mental health issues as a Division I athlete, many others do. I spoke to Victoria Garrick, who has first-hand experience with the struggles of trying to balance everything. My name is Victoria Garrick. Mm -hmm. I am a public speaker, mental health and body image advocate, and a content creator. Victoria Garrick used to be the co-captain of USC's women's volleyball team. She was a walk-on, and in her true freshman year, she started and played in every game. That year, the Trojans won the Pac-12 championship. Garrick finished her career with three NCAA tournament appearances, two Pac-12 All-Academic Honorable Mentions, and two seasons in which she was the captain. She also won USC's Best Passer Digger Award twice and a Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week honor. And she's ranked among the top five diggers in the program's history. She's clearly an accomplished athlete, but balancing school, athletics, and her personal life took a toll on her. It was something that really stressed on me and wore me out. And I didn't really know at the time. I was just used to wanting to accomplish and achieve and get things done and excel. Garrick says she was able to deal with the pressure in high school, but everything changed once she began college sports. I started to really feel the pressure of not having enough time or not feeling good enough or I didn't get a great grade, but then I had to go play or I didn't play well and I had to study and just a lot of things started to stress me and overwhelm me. She tried to suppress the feelings that were building up inside her, but eventually it became too much. That anxiety sort of led me into a depression and a depressive state of just being really unhappy and being really tired and burnout is you're so exhausted and you're also so overwhelmed. You have those two things kind of working against each other inside of you. And those were mental health issues that I had never experienced before. Garrick finally reached out for help, but she says it wasn't easy in the beginning, especially since she felt there was a stigma among athletes about mental health. You are this thing that so many people want and think is amazing and want to, to succeed and they root for you. And so for me to be in that position and realize how lucky I was and how much it's all I'd ever wanted... But then to be so unhappy and have such a hard time and be struggling was a really guilty and a shameful feeling. And I didn't want to talk about it or tell people because it didn't feel right. It didn't feel okay. Once she found the help that she needed, Garrick realized it was okay to struggle and not be perfect. And when I finally realized that, and I realized that on the other side of getting help and dealing with these demons, everything was okay, I thought oh my gosh, I can't believe I spent such a long time struggling in silence. I can't believe 
so many athletes feel the same way I do, and they don't know that it's okay. Garrick's experience is reflected in figures from the nonprofit group Athletes for Hope. It found that only 10% of college athletes seek help. You know, you hear things like, if there's a will, there's a way. Best don't rest. You see the, the ES, I grew up with the ESPN commercials, the Sports Illustrated athletes on the cover with all of these figures that are defined as strong and idolized by society as people who figure it out and they get it done and they're successful and they find a way. So when you're struggling and you, you need someone else's help, especially as an athlete, it's so hard to admit that because you want to be the competitor that you've idolized as a child. After personally addressing her mental health issues, Garrick became an outspoken advocate for mental health among athletes. She began traveling around the country, speaking with athletes. One particular event at Springfield College stands out. There were uh, many students that stayed to talk, and two girls waited about 30 minutes to, to speak with me. They were the last ones in the gym. And then the one girl, her name was Chloe. She took off a bracelet that she was wearing that said Brave. And she said, I want you to have this. And she told me that she had gotten it from someone else who gave it to her and that you're supposed to pass it on. That just that act of someone taking their bracelet off and giving it to me, um, it's it just meant the world. I wear the bracelet every day and I wear it when I give talks. And, you know, I'm excited to, to pass that feeling along when I pass the bracelet on one day. Sometimes, injury can be the spark for depression in athletes. That was true for Salvador Carlos, a former college basketball player at Biola University. He suffered torn ACLs in his knees. The head coach never came to me, never asked me how I was doing, how my mental was, how my knees doing, how school. Never, never, never was an importance. I felt, in my opinion, I was never an importance to coach at Biola. Carlos was frustrated because he felt like a commodity. You put in that year and a half of work, the patience and like the determination and just for all to go to sh how can I put this? I would say it was demeaning, you know? It's basically telling me like, dang, like no matter what I do, like I'm not worth anything to them. So I guess that was the start of my mental health with basketball, how it declined. Carlos transferred to Cerritos College and he enjoyed it there. But after transferring to the University of Alaska Fairbanks, he noticed his mental health started to decline yet again thousands of miles away from my family um that was my first time i ever moved out of the state so it was a very it was very challenging for me um obviously emotions running high scattered around my brain my family's very or family oriented like we stay together we have such a strong bond so when i left it, it was detrimental so now carlos is thousands of miles from home and his family and what he found in alaska was not a team that was supportive of him or each other they threatened me to kick me out. They called me fat, like I wasn't in shape. And it was ridiculous. It dampened my mentality because you don't want to hear that from your coaches. Like this is supposed to be your family, you know, to take it how you want, but it hurts, honestly. No one's ever weak. I would never, ever call anybody weak for the stuff they're going through because obviously the mental illness is different for everybody. And you got to respect that in your own way because you got to get through it yourself. But yeah, like it was bad, man.
I don't feel loved and worthy. Like, I have nobody. Carlos says that along with a toxic environment, he had to worry about his studies and other team obligations. I had no downtime when I was in Alaska because it was either like, I got to go to study hall. And we had study hall three times a week, which was ridiculous. And we got class, you know, we don't even got time to eat because we got to go to these meetings, these unnecessary NCAA meetings. Like, yeah, bro, like I said, it wasn't fun anymore, man. It turned into a job. Critics of college sports say colleges and universities are treating student-athletes like professionals in one way, but not rewarding them like a pro-athlete. Carlos says he worked hard to get an athletic scholarship. Our financial status is a burden, too. And especially if you're not coming from a wealthy family, I'm not wealthy. We had an absolute right to earn that scholarship, but at the same time, that's not on contract, bro. All those meetings and all that, that's not on contract. When I signed my letter of intent, I didn't see none of that, you know? Like, what was going to come with it? And that's just a personal experience you have to go through. Speaking of personal experiences, Cameron Patterson is a former women's tennis player at UCLA. Her years on the tennis team were fraught with problems. In one instance, Patterson's grandmother passed away the weekend of a tournament. Patterson played poorly. She says she was emotionally unequipped, but her coach didn't care. But she used that against me, saying that my performance is not up to par or something. But I was obviously going through a big family thing at that time, so you would think there'd be some sympathy, but there's never any. Patterson says the straw that broke the camel's back happened in her sophomore year. The coach told her she would not do conditioning with the team and instead ordered her to pick up their lunch order. I then didn't say a word to them. I was in tears, just started crying because I like couldn't ever control my emotions and just started crying because uh, I was pissed. And um, I went into the team room. I like grabbed legit everything um, and I just left and I never showed up again. Patterson left the team but she didn't go without telling the coaches why. After, she wrote an email airing her grievances. But I also um, listed every single kind of form of like emotional abuse that I had gone through um, since the start of the team and all the shit that I went through. I like documented everything. And then I also copied the um, head of athletics at UCLA to the email. Once the coaches were disciplined, the athletic director asked Patterson if she wanted to join the team again. But, after everything she had gone through, she declined. In an attempt to rectify the situation, Patterson got priority enrollment for a few semesters afterward, but she says that she wishes that she could get the time back she lost. After the ordeal, Patterson says that the memories lingered. Every time I would walk past the tennis facilities on campus, even up until senior year, I kind of felt this pit in my stomach, um, felt a bit depressed um, and let down about the whole experience and felt like I disappointed myself in a way because uh, I thought things would turn out differently. Patterson says her experience has helped players who came after her. She's heard from parents of walk-on athletes the coaches made changes, like treating walk-ons with more respect and not emotionally abusing them. It was so sweet to hear because I always wanted to leave an imprint somehow on the UCLA community. Um, in terms of sports, if I made the mental health of future walk-ons better, I'm glad that I could do that. After she left the tennis team, Patterson realized that being a student athlete was a misnomer. It's a job. And especially when you're playing at such a high level, I feel like it's not even it's not even a question. Tennis comes first. They really instilled that in us. 
I tried to do newspaper and she called my parents, getting mad at them saying that Cameron needs to be focused on only academics and tennis, but we knew that it was just tennis. Patterson says she felt like a machine and that there was no freedom. Cecily Wilson is a former women's basketball player for Long Beach State and a former teammate of Martina McCowan's. Like other student athletes, she says playing sports in college became a job for her. It was a lot to take in. The early mornings, long nights, you know, you had to manage time for study hall, treatment, classes, practice, meetings to fit in with teachers, and then like a social life. And your social life was with your teammates or other athletes in study hall or in treatment, you know? Wilson had an experience as a student athlete that caused her mental health to take a hit. My junior year, that was like my toughest year in college. Like I was just, like mentally, I was just so like checked out. I was checked out of school. I was checked out of basketball. And I just, I don't know. I was just like at a loss for words kind of thing. I just wasn't right in my head. I just didn't care, you know, whether I played or not. Wilson recalls that even though she didn't really mind when coaches grilled her for making mistakes, there was a particular experience that stood out. Her coaches kept going in on that mistake and it got too much for her. I just like lost it. Like I was just hyperventilating. I was crying. I couldn't catch my breath. Like I, I just didn't know how to feel. My feelings were just taking the best of me. After talking with other student athletes, Wilson was able to figure out what was going on. You know, they kind of were like saying like, you had like an anxiety attack or like a panic attack. Like you were mm -hmm. freaking yourself out over something that you just been holding in. And so I think it's important that those conversations as coaches or parents, you know, teammates, if you notice somebody experiencing, you know, those kind of emotions or traits, I think it's important that you point them in the right direction. Wilson adds that with all that student athletes have to deal with, she wants the general public to know that they are more than just an athlete because of their sacrifices to be well-rounded individuals. We find a way to get it done. We find a way to do it again the next day and the next day. <laughs> I think a lot of people think that student athletes are lazy and, you know, they have things handed to them. But in retrospect, we work really hard. I got a degree like that. That's something it's difficult to get a degree and have such a crazy schedule like that and be traveling. I'm very proud of that. So um, I think that people should definitely know that student athletes are we are very determined and we always find a way to get things done. I spoke with a USC football player and because of very strict team policies with regards to players speaking to members of the media, I will refer to him as Joe Doe. According to Doe, they have specific apps that help them plan out their day around their sport. The app makes sure every hour of the day is accounted for. An athlete's life is controlled, unlike most college students who experience a sense of freedom for the first time in their lives. Seeing other students be free with their time can negatively affect a student-athlete's mental health. That's why it's important to acknowledge an athlete's mental health. Even though it's tough to speak out, some professional athletes are helping to break the sense of shame about mental health among athletes. That's why USC alum Victoria Garrick asked the late Kobe Bryant to speak about mental health when he was a guest speaker at USC's Performance Science Institute in 2018. I think it's important for athletes to own what it is that they're going through. It's awareness. And I think the most important thing is for us to be aware of what's going on in here. Not that it's bad, good, or indifferent, but it's awareness. And once you're aware of it, then you can choose to walk hand in hand with it, or you can choose to fight it, 
but you're making that decision. If you just can constantly bury that in the distance, then it starts festering and it comes up in different ways and manifests itself in different ways. I fully, I fully agree with what Kobe Bryant's saying. I think it does. I think, yeah, it takes maturity, I feel like, to be self-aware. It takes maturity to be able to realize that the feelings that you're feeling are questionable. And self-awareness is such a big thing. If you don't catch yourself getting angry, you don't catch yourself, you know, all of a sudden dipping in this, like, hard, sulking state about how you're playing, it's tough. Absolutely. And it carries on through... Um, different aspects aspects in your life. Um, I definitely think that with the conversation switching on mental health, it's definitely going to improve college basketball, high school sports, you know, even more. Former women's college basketball player Elzina Henry, who played at Long Beach State and Cal State Dominguez Hills, was aware of her mental health struggles. She told me how speaking out and trying out different things helped her, even though it was really hard. I remember I had suicidal thoughts, I got on medication, I had suicidal dreams, had to get off. Like I remember I lied to my doctor, because I was like, I'm not taking this medication, I'm not doing all that, Like I can't, I'm not functioning like that. With everything going on with their sports, tournaments and championship games can be especially stressful for athletes. Henry remembers one NCAA tournament when almost everyone on the team was dealing with emotional and mental issues because of stress. The athletic trainer noticed. He told us that we had to uh, stop dropping our weight because people's weights were dropping. I don't even know how he knew it, but he was like, you guys got to stop dropping weight. Um, You guys got to make sure that you're eating. I know it's a stressful time. I know it's hard. Doing a lot of talk therapy with a sports psychologist helped Henry understand why she was feeling depressed and having those thoughts. After she got help, Henry says that it was really hard. Nevertheless, a few of the athletes I've spoken to says talking to a sports psychologist assigned to them helped. Here's Cecily Wilson again. But then sometimes we would also express to her, you know, like our frustrations as far as either with the coaching staff or just, you know, how we were feeling during the game. We were able to discuss that with her as well. She would give us feedback as far as how we can handle it, you know, and just kind of help us move on from that and kind of learn and work, talk out our feelings. USC football player Doe says his coach was big on making sure players were in the right frame of mind. Coaches were willing to listen, and if they couldn't help, they would direct a player to speak with one of the sports psychologists USC has available. But some athletes, like Martina McCowan, worry that if they say they need help, they will be judged for it. So I think it's things like that in the back of student athletes' minds that are really just making it hard for them to just say that like, okay, this is how I feel and I need help. Because I don't want to be, again, a cancer. I don't want to be the bad blood on the team. I don't want to bring my problems and put them on front street. Like I just want to kind of be by myself or I want to do this and I want to hide it and I want to just kind of move forward. There are times when speaking to a psychologist can have negative effects. Tyler Turner, a women's college basketball player at UC San Diego, questions who the psychologists represent, and it made it hard for her to know who she could talk to. They'll have a team psychologist on the team, but the team psychologist tells the coaches everything. And you're like, well, I can't really say anything because it's not confidential like I thought it was. Turner says sometimes coaches are so focused on winning that the player's feelings get swept under the rug. 
they focus on that so much that they forget to focus on like, is my team okay? Are the young women that I have on my team okay? Like, are they going to play for me because I'm there for them? That plays a role in how people mentally break down. As mental health becomes more accepted in society, the NCAA is taking notice. The NCAA is finally addressing the mental health issues of its athletes. In the third and final episode, we'll wrap things up by talking about how athletes can use their platforms to help spread awareness that mental illness doesn't discriminate and how we, as a society, can do better in that regard. It'll be fascinating to see where the conversation goes from there, especially since professional athletes are beginning to speak up about it. Who knows what the impact of that conversation will be. This episode of the Awareness Podcast was produced by me, Jared Castillo, at USC's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in episode three.